Disasters, True Stories, narrated by Brad Carty. The Titanic Disaster It is 1912. The world is at the dawn of great upheavals. Europe begins its great tear that will end in bloodshed in trenches infested with rats. Our civilization is going to change, but before this human catastrophe of the First World War, a crossing that was supposed to be the symbol of the luxury of modernity and progress is going to turn into a human drama that will mark our civilization forever. This catastrophe is the symbol of the power of nature in the face of the audacity of man. This audacity is called the Titanic. The Titanic is the most luxurious and largest ocean liner ever built. It was led by the experienced commander Edward Smith during its first disastrous crossing between Southampton and New York. Some of the wealthiest people of the day were on board, as well as hundreds of emigrants from Britain, Ireland, and elsewhere in Europe seeking a new life in the United States. The hull of the Titanic is equipped with 17 watertight compartments to protect the ship in case of water ingress or major damage, which gives it the reputation of an unsinkable liner. The Titanic was 883 feet long, 92 feet wide, and 174 feet high from the keel to the stacks. It required 889 crew members and could carry 2,471 passengers divided into three classes. The liner also carried mail. In all, the ship cost $7.5 million at the time, or $150 million in 2022 dollars. Of the 889 people who made up the Titanic's crew, 66 belonged to the deck crew officers, deckhands, watchmen, quartermasters. 325 were engineers, stokers called blackfaces, drivers, greasers, mechanics, all of whom were forbidden to have contact with passengers. Finally, 471 men and 23 women were part of the ship's hotel staff, stewards, radio operators, etc. The Titanic was commanded by Edward Smith, who, due to his popularity, had been assigned to the maiden voyages of the White Star Line's large ships since 1904. His second-in-command, Henry Wilde, was transferred aboard on the eve of departure, resulting in a shift in the ship's staff hierarchy. This allowed for an experienced staff, with the ship's three highest-ranking officers having previously served on the Olympic. The officers were in charge of the deck crew, which is responsible for running the ship and ensuring its smooth operation. They are assisted by the petty officers, who are in charge of steering the ship, the watchmen, who are stationed in the crow's nest, and the deckhands, who keep watch and maintain the equipment. The mechanical staff worked in the bowels of the ship. Under the direction of the chief engineer, Joseph Bella, some 20 assistant engineers were working. None of them survived the sinking. The ship's 29 boilers were powered by nearly 300 stokers and welders who worked in appalling conditions. Finally, the hotel staff, which was the most diverse, was also the most widespread. Most were stewards, accompanied by some hostesses. They were assigned to cabins or facilities of the ship, 
and were at the service of passengers. This staff also included a large number of cooks. The purser Hugh McElroy was in charge of the hotel staff and also responsible for responding to passengers' complaints. Titanic also employed a quintet and trio orchestra under the direction of Wallace Hartley. The musicians performed in first and second class and became legendary for their heroic behavior during the sinking. However, they were not part of the crew and were counted as second-class passengers. The shipwreck took place on the night of April 14th to 15th, 1912, off the coast of Newfoundland. More than 1,500 people died, making this event one of the greatest maritime disasters in modern history. 14 April, 1912, in the morning. Titanic Captain Edward J. Smith cancels a protocol rescue exercise. At 5.50 p.m., after receiving iceberg warnings throughout the day, the captain changed the Titanic's course, heading slightly south. However, the ship's speed was not reduced. At 9.40 p.m., the ship Misaba sends a warning to the Titanic about an ice field that includes heavy pack ice and a large number of large icebergs. The Titanic's radio operator, Jack Phillips, processes the passengers' messages and never passes the warning on to the captain. At 10 o'clock p.m., the entire crew at the helm of the boat leaves its place to the night team. The night is exceptionally calm, which makes the icebergs more difficult to see because no waves break on them. The difficulties are further compounded because the binoculars were lost during the day. 10.55 p.m. The ship Californian, located a few miles away, calls the Titanic by radio. Say, old chap, we are stopped and surrounded by ice. Titanic radio operator Phillips replies, Shut up, shut up, I'm busy. At 11 p.m. Most of the Titanic's passengers have retired to their rooms for the evening. 11.35 p.m. The radio operator of the Californian turns off his radio. An iceberg is seen on the Titanic's trajectory. The bell is rung three times to indicate that something is in front of the ship. Shift Captain Murdoch orders that the Titanic be put hard to starboard, or left, and that the engines be reversed. He also closed the doors of the so-called watertight compartments. 11.40 p.m. The starboard side of the Titanic scrapes along the iceberg. Captain Smith arrives on deck and learns that the ship has hit an iceberg. Shortly thereafter, he is informed that the mail room is filling with water. More reports soon arrive of water in at least five of the ship's compartments. The ship's architect, Thomas Andrews, present on board for this inaugural cruise, inspects the damage in person. The Titanic was built to stay afloat with up to four compartments flooded. Andrews predicts that the ship has only one to two hours before it sinks. God himself could not sink this ship, said an employee of the White Star Shipping Company at the inauguration of the Titanic. April 15, 1912 Midnight. Lifeboats begin to be prepared for evacuation. 
the 20 boats could only accommodate 1,178 passengers, although there were over 2,200 people on board. An order was then given for women and children to board first, with crewmen to row and guide the lifeboats. 12.15 a.m. Captain Smith orders his men to send a distress signal. Although SOS has been the official distress signal for several years, many still use CQD. CQ stands for a general call, and the D stands for distress. In the next few hours, Phillips will send both. The ship Frankfurt was among the first to respond, but the liner was some 170 nautical miles, nearly 200 land miles, to the south. Other ships also offered to help, including the Titanic's sister ship, the Olympic, but they were much too far away. 12.20 a.m. The ship Carpathia receives a distress signal from the Titanic. Come immediately. We have hit an iceberg. The liner immediately changes course to come to the aid of the Titanic. It will take more than three long hours for the Carpathia to arrive at the scene of the drama. Passengers waiting to board the lifeboats are entertained by the Titanic's musicians, who first played in the first-class lounge before moving to the ship's deck until shortly before the sinking. None of the musicians will survive the shipwreck. Twelve forty-five a.m. Number seven on the starboard side is the first lifeboat lowered. It carries around twenty-seven people, although it can accommodate sixty-five. Many of the first lifeboats will be launched well below capacity, in part because the crewmen fear that the lifting gear on the rescue ships will not be able to support a fully loaded lifeboat. In addition, many passengers are initially afraid to leave the ship still believing that the Titanic is unsinkable. Titanic fires the first of eight distress flares. A ship is spotted less than 10 nautical miles away, but the crew is unable to contact it by telegraph or Morse code. The crew above the Californian sees the flares, but cannot determine their source. It was long thought that the Californian was the neighboring ship seen by the Titanic, but it turned out to be about 23 miles away. Today it is believed that this mystery ship was a Norwegian fishing vessel that was illegally hunting seals. 12.55 a.m. It's panic. Boat number five is the second lifeboat to leave the Titanic. As it is being lowered, two male passengers jump into the boat, injuring one of the women on board. The number six boat is put in the water, containing the famous passenger Molly Brown. The lifeboat is commanded by Petty Officer Robert Hitchens, who was at the helm when the Titanic hit the iceberg. His subsequent actions, including his refusal to search for survivors because they would only find dead people, in his words, drew the ire of the other occupants, including Brown, who threatened to throw him overboard. Number three is lowered. It carries about 39 people out of a possible 65 of which 12 are part of the ship's crew. Water can be seen at the base of the Grand Staircase. Canoe number one is launched with only 12 people, although it could hold 40. Among its occupants are first-class passengers Sir Cosmo Edmund Duff Gordon and his wife Lucy. 
Seven of the occupants were crew members, and Duff Gordon paid each of them five pounds, apparently to replace lost clothing and equipment, but perhaps, according to later charges, it was used as a bribe to prevent the crew from letting anyone else on the boat. 1.10 a.m. Number 8 is among the first lifeboats lowered to portside. It is launched with only 28 people, including the first-class passenger Lucy Noel Martha, Countess of Rothes. Isidore and Ida Strauss are offered places on the boat, but Isidore refuses to disobey the order, women and children first. Ida, in turn, will not leave her husband, apparently saying, Where you go, I go. Neither of them will survive. 1.20 a.m. Number 10 is launched. Among the occupants is nine-week-old Milvina Dean, who will become the last living survivor of the disaster. She will die in 2009 at the age of 97. The number nine boat on the starboard stern is lowered. With some 56 people on board, it is almost full. One of its occupants is the alleged mistress of American businessman Benjamin Guggenheim. Guggenheim and his valet would later change into formal attire, and he was quoted as saying, We have dressed to the nines and are ready to die like gentlemen. His body will never be found. 1.25 a.m. The radios on the liner, the Olympic, may not understand the gravity of the situation. Are you going south to meet us? The Titanic replies, We are putting the women in the boats. A few hours later, the Olympic will be informed by the Carpathia of the sinking of the Titanic. 1.30 a.m. Amidst the growing panic, several male passengers attempt to board number 14, prompting 5th Officer Harold Lowe to fire his service weapon three times in the air. He then takes control of the boat. After the Titanic sank, Harold Lowe transferred people to lifeboats 4, 10, and 12, as well as to collapsible boat D so that he could return to the water to search for survivors. Phillips continues to send distress calls with growing desperation. Women and children in the boats, they can't hold out much longer. The number 13 and 15 are launched. They welcome many passengers from third class. On the way down, number 15 practically lands on number 13 but the crew of number 13 manages to cut the launch ropes and row safely away from the Titanic. 1.35 a.m., the number 16 boat is launched. 1.40 a.m., the folding boat C is lowered into the water. Among its occupants is White Star President J. Bruce Ismay. Although he would later claim that no women or children were in the area when he boarded the lifeboat, others would refute this claim. His decision not to go down with the ship will make him a coward in the eyes of many. 1.45 a.m. The canoes number 24 and 11 are launched. Madeline Astor, about five months pregnant, is helped aboard by her husband, the businessman and writer John Jacob Astor. When Astor asks if he can join her, 2nd Officer Lightoller, who has strictly followed the order of women and children first, refuses 
even though the canoe is not filled to capacity. John Jacob Astor does not insist and walks away. His drowned body will be found later. The only lifeboats left on the Titanic are three folding lifeboats. The bow of the Titanic has sunk enough that the propellers of the stern are now clearly visible above the water. Crews lower a collapsible lifeboat from the roof of the officer's quarter. About 20 people are in the boat. As the Titanic's bow sinks, the folding lifeboat is swept off the deck and into the sea. Captain Smith releases the Titanic crew from their obligations by saying that now it's every man for himself. 2.17 a.m. Phillips sends a final distress signal. He manages to reach an overturned lifeboat but succumbs to his injuries. His body will never be found. 2.18 a.m. The Titanic's lights go out, plunging the ship into darkness. As the Titanic's bow continues to sink, the stern rises higher out of the water, straining the midsection, and the ship breaks in two between the third and fourth funnels. Reports suggest that it took about six minutes for the front section to reach the ocean floor. The stern momentarily goes back into the water before rising again, finally becoming vertical. She remains briefly in this position before taking her final plunge. 2.20 a.m. The stern disappears into the ocean, and the Titanic is no more. The water pressure caused the stern, which still contained air, to implode as it sank. The stern crashed some 2,000 feet from the bow. Hundreds of people end up in the icy water. Although there was still room in most of the lifeboats, the crewmen feared that the boats would be submerged. Several boats eventually return, but it is too late. A human being can survive at most 30 minutes in water at zero degrees Celsius, and only 10 minutes in water frozen at the surface, minus 3 degrees Celsius, as in Arctic waters. A few of the castaways are pulled out of the water by the returning canoes, but most die of hypothermia. During the following hours, many ships try in vain to contact the Titanic. At one point, the radio operator of the Birma thought he heard the liner and sent the following message. Full speed ahead. We will arrive at 6 a.m. I hope you are safe. I hope you are safe. 3.30 a.m. The Carpathia arrives in the area and launches distress flares. 4.10 a.m. Lifeboat number two is the first to reach the Carpathia. It will take several hours for the boat to recover all the survivors present on the boats. A message is sent to the White Star Line offices. I deeply regret to inform you that the Titanic sank this morning, the 15th, after a collision with an iceberg, causing serious loss of life. More details later. 8.30 a.m. The ship, the Californian, which learned at 5.30 a.m. that the Titanic was sinking, finally arrives. It searches the area for several hours but finds no survivors. 8.50 a.m. The Carpathia, which carries the 705 survivors of the Titanic, is heading for New York, where it will arrive three days after the sinking, in front of a huge crowd amassed at the port of New York. 
This absolute tragedy will mark the spirits forever and deeply integrate our culture. This shipwreck will give rise to many writings, legends, and suspicions. Finally, the Titanic disaster inspired James Cameron's famous film, Titanic, released in 1997. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, the film won 11 Oscars. A true Titanic mania is then launched around the world. The Titanic was a legendary British transatlantic liner. Between 1,490 and 1,520 people died, making it one of the largest peacetime maritime disasters and the largest of its time. The sinking of the Titanic had many causes, both natural and human. Its toll can also be explained by several factors. It is rare to find icebergs in this region of the Atlantic in April, but the presence of a lot of ice that year was due to a particularly mild winter. This explains why the Titanic, which was sailing further south than the recommended route, headed straight for an ice field. Moreover, the night was dark, with no moon and no wind, which made it more difficult to spot the icebergs. This was compounded by the absence of binoculars in the crow's nest, due to negligence on the part of the officers. According to Frederick Fleet, the watchman who spotted and reported the iceberg, binoculars might have made it possible to see it on time. Moreover, the watertight compartments did not rise high enough to prevent the progression of water. These transverse bulkheads are interrupted at 50 feet high by the architects so that passengers can use the upper promenade deck, and the hull is only doubled at the bottom of the ship, protecting only the shallows. Moreover, the steel used in some parts of the hull was very brittle at negative temperatures. The water temperature on the night of the tragedy was negative 1 to negative 2 Celsius. Although it was state-of-the-art at the time, it was produced in British furnaces. The rivets that hold the hull plates together should have been made of the same top-quality steel. Harland and Wolfe shipyards ordered 9 million rivets for the Titanic, the Britannic, and the Olympic, but a shortage of steel parts led them to use wrought-iron rivets instead. The speed of the ship at the time of the collision was also too fast for the circumstances, although in accordance with the naval regulations of the time. Despite an attempt by the American commission that investigated the sinking, it could not be proven that Ismay pushed the commander to go faster. Finally, the high number of deaths is explained by the small number of lifeboats on the ship, which could only hold 1,178 people but also by the lack of organization in loading them and informing the passengers. This poor organization would have made additional lifeboats perhaps unnecessary, as the officers did not have time to attend to the last two lifeboats. Some boats, such as number one, left almost empty and refused to return to the wreck site. This explains why the canoes were, in the end, less than two-thirds full. According to the Titanic Inquiry, the iceberg did not directly blow holes in the Titanic's hull, but the shockwave blew out the rivets, opening a waterway. 
The disaster came as a shock to international public opinion because it proved to everyone that man and his technological achievements could be overtaken by the powers of nature at a time when scientific progress seemed unstoppable. It also sheds light on the technical shortcomings of the time. Modern examinations show that the steel of the hull, and even more so the rivets, other than on the central part of the hull, contained too much sulfur and not enough manganese, which made them too brittle. Lord Mersey's British Commission made numerous proposals on safety at sea, as did Senator Smith's American Commission. The perceived casual and reckless attitude of those who decided on the route and speed of the liners was a major factor in the loss of the ship, according to both commissions on the sinking. To prevent such a disaster from happening again, the international community took several measures. The first was the creation of the International Ice Patrol in 1914. Since then, there have been no fatalities due to iceberg collisions. In addition, the procedure to be applied in case of collision with an iceberg has been changed. From now on, it is considered that the damage will be less in the event of a head-on collision. This was proven in 1914 when the Royal Edward collided with an iceberg, with no casualties among the 800 passengers. Concerning the means of communication, it was decreed that the radio watch must be maintained 24 hours a day on a specific wavelength, which was the case on the Titanic, but not on the Californian nor on the Carpathia, and must have backup batteries to power the emergency radio station. The misuse of recent advances in radio technology triggered a controversy in the following months around the Marconi Company, whose powerful transmitters had initially been praised. However, the most important consequence of the shipwreck concerned the lifeboats. From then on, every ship had to be equipped with a sufficient number of lifeboats. Until then, the law required equipment according to tonnage and had not kept pace with the rapid increase in the size of ships. Numerous expeditions to find the sunken ship were planned, but had not been successful for many years. The wreck of the Titanic was finally located on September 1, 1985, at 1.05 a.m. by a Franco-American expedition led by Jean-Louis Michel of Ephraimer and Dr. Robert D. Ballard of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute. The original purpose of this expedition was to search for two American submarines. The wreck was located at a depth of 2.4 miles, 400 miles southeast of Newfoundland. The ship was broken into two parts that lay on the bottom about 2,300 feet apart, separated by a debris field. During the sinking, the hull broke where the bending stress was the highest, in the engine room and the aft grand staircase. Dr. Ballard and his team did not remove any objects from the site, considering it tantamount to grave robbing. For international maritime law, however, the recovery of objects is necessary to establish salvage rights for a wreck. In the years following the discovery, the Titanic was the subject of numerous legal rulings regarding the ownership of the objects and the wreck site itself. Many objects were salvaged and are on public display. Scientists claim that the numerous expeditions on the wreck have accelerated its degradation and estimate that it will have totally disappeared by the year 2050 becoming completely disintegrated in the abyss of the Atlantic Ocean. 
Did you like this episode? Feel free to comment, share, and rate it. See you soon for new stories. Midnight Studio, addictive podcast creator.